In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, O God, Amen. Through the grace of God, we will study today chapter 10 from the Gospel of St. Matthew. In this chapter, we will discuss the selection of the 12 apostles, and also the commandments that the Lord gave to his disciples in the field of evangelism and preaching. And these commandments will be very beneficial for us also when we think about evangelism and preaching. But let me uh, give you the beginning overview uh, about the whole chapter. The conclusion of chapter 9, the previous chapter, the Lord actually looked at the crowd and his heart was moved with compassion for them while as we read in Matthew chapter 9 verse 37 because they were troubled abandoned like sheep without a shepherd like a sheep without like sheep without a shepherd and the Lord Jesus Christ condemned actually and judged the priests and the religious leader of Israel as negligent uh, leaders. They neglected their flock. They didn't tend uh, to the needs of the sheep. And let me just emphasize that the metaphor of shepherd and sheep, shepherd and flock, is very, very important metaphor in the whole Bible, Old Testament and New Testament. One of the main uh, analogies that the Bible used to describe the relationship between the priest or the religious leader and his people is the metaphor of the uh, shepherd and sheep. You can read about it in First Kings, in Psalms, in Jeremiah, in Ezekiel, uh, in uh, the New Testament, uh, in Zechariah. Uh, in, in Ezekiel chapter 34, God actually, this chapter is a very important chapter, because in this chapter God condemned, condemned the shepherd of Israel, the religious leader of Israel, for failing to lead his flock and profiting, making profit of his flock. And instead of tending the flock, they used their ministry actually to feed themselves, to make profit out of it. <coughs> so in Matthew chapter 9, verse 36, the Lord actually was hinting to Ezekiel 34, when he said he saw his people as sheep without shepherd. So how the Lord responded to this? And this is actually very important when we see people as sheep without shepherd. Around us here in America, actually you can see many, many people they are like lost sheep. There are no shepherds to tend. I'm not speaking about the Coptic people. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking about the American people here. Indeed, they are lost sheep. 
and no shepherd. So, how the Lord responded to this? Number one, He called us to pray. He said, pray to the Lord of harvest in order to send laborers to His harvest. So, it is responsibility to us to pray that the Lord may send laborers, may send shepherds to His flock. Number two, the Lord actually spent all the night in prayer and then he selected the 12 apostles. Which means that it is not enough to pray. Many times when we want to discuss any problem, just we say we pray about it. Prayer is very, very powerful. But with prayer, we should do our part. So immediately, the Lord chose 12 of his disciples to be apostles. And here just I want to differentiate because many of us will confuse the two terms. The term disciple and the term apostle. I want to explain the difference between disciple and apostle. Disciples, all the followers of the Lord Jesus Christ are considered disciples. That's why even the Christians in the early church were called disciples. All the Christians. The first city or country that replaced the word disciples with the word Christian was Antioch. They said uh, disciples is confusing because people say disciples for whom? So when I say disciples of Jesus. So they replaced the word disciples with the word Christian. That's Antioch. So the Lord called all his disciples and then he chose from them twelve and these twelve he called them apostles. The word apostle from the word epistle, which means message, message. So apostles literally means messengers. The Lord sent them with a message, the message of the gospel, the message of salvation. So the apostles are those who carried the message of Christ and actually preached this message to the people. But here the Lord chose his apostles from the disciples. So I need to be a disciple first in order to be a servant, in order to preach the word of God. I need to be a disciple first in order to be a preacher or preach the word of God. And then, to send them, he gives them power. And until today, when God chose any person, in any capacity, Sunday school servant, or a priest, or a deacon, or a bishop, God gives the power, power to this person. Uh, as, as we read, uh, that God gives them power to cast out demons and to heal all kinds of disease. All kinds actually means spiritual, physical, and psychological. Then he sent them to preach and heal throughout the cities of Israel with specific instruction in what to do. And he told them, now don't go to the Gentiles. Go only to the lost sheep of Israel. This is what we call the limited commission. Limited because they were limited only to go to Israel. 
to the lost sheep of Israel. They were not allowed to go everywhere, but only to the lost sheep of Israel. But the Great Commission, that is the limited commission. The Great Commission before his ascension, when the Lord said to them, go and preach the gospel to the whole world. To the whole world. So before his ascension, he opened the door for the Gentiles and he told them, go and preach the gospel to the whole world. Then actually, in the rest of the chapter, he started to explain to them their jobs as missionaries, as witnesses for him. So let's start reading verse by verse from verse 1. And when he had called his 12 disciples to him. So actually, in Mark and Luke, we read in more detail that he called all the disciples and then he chose 12. But Matthew, he spoke about the 12 only. So he called the 12 disciples. And this means service is a calling. You need to be called to serve. Service is a calling, not a choice. Not a person say, I want to choose to be a priest. I want to be a bishop. I want to be a Sunday school servant. No. Service is a calling. He called his 12 disciples to him. And St. Paul spoke about this calling. I like one time His Eminence, Metropolitan Bohemius. Uh, he had a very, very nice uh, reflection in this verse. One time he said, if we were in the time of the Lord Jesus Christ and we are in his place and want to choose people, most probably would choose the scribes and the Pharisees and the religious leader of Israel. And if somebody told us, what about Peter? No, 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 he is not fit for this ministry. He's a fisherman. So what he knows about ministry? And if told us about Matthew, Matthew, no, 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 he's a sinner. He was a tax collector. But St. Paul actually, in his letter to Corinthians, he said, God chose the ignorant to defeat those who are knowledgeable or trust in their knowledge. God chose the humble in order to defeat the proud. You know, and, and here is wisdom. Many times, We look at the outside, but God looks at the heart. I'm sure you know when God chose David. His father, Jesse, brought all his children who are strong, powerful. But Samuel told them, no, 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 God did not choose all of this. Until David came, and David was, was young. And Samuel said to Jesse, God does not look to the outward uh, picture but God looks at the heart. That's how God calls the people. So, when he had called his 12 disciples to him, he gives them power. He gives them power. Ministry needs power. And this power is not a human power. Do you remember before his ascension, the Lord told them, don't depart from Jerusalem until you receive power from on high. And that's why when a priest is ordained, He goes to the wilderness, to the monastery, to spend 40 days. Why? This actually to receive power from God. He gives them power over unclean spirits. Because, you know, our, our ministry 
is to rescue the people from the kingdom of Satan and to transfer them into the kingdom of Christ. He gives them power over unclean spirit. To cast them out and actually to destroy their power over the people. Any person who commits a sin is a slave for sin. So this power is to cast these demons out. Not only here he's speaking here about people who are possessed, but every person who are under who is under the power of sin, under power of sin. And to heal all kinds of sickness, and as I said, all kinds, not only the physical, but the spiritual also, sin is illness, all kinds of sicknesses, and all kinds of disease. In Arabic, uh, <coughs> it is all kinds of sickness and all kinds of weaknesses. In, in weakness in, in me, called the da'af, because sickness and disease are uh, it's the same words synonymous. But in Arabic it says, uh, heal all kinds of sickness and all kinds of weaknesses in the people. <coughs> so, after he called us to pray for more liberals, he selected the 12 disciples. And as I told you, this selection of the 12 disciples is mentioned in Mark chapter 6 and in Luke chapter 9. In Mark chapter 6 and uh, Luke chapter 9. And St. Mark explained that when he sent them, he sent them out two by two. Two by two. Here we may wonder why he chose only 12. Uh, because the tribes of Israel is 12. So 12 was a very a known number uh, to Israel and uh, St. Augustine has many uh, reflections on the number so 12 is 3 by 4 3 is the Holy Trinity 4 is the 4 uh, direction of earth or 4 corners of the earth so 12 means to preach the message of the Holy Trinity in all the earth north, south, east and west that is the meaning of the symbolism of number four. Uh, these twelve, as I told you, were from among his disciples. So they were followers of Jesus, so they attended the Lord for some time. Now he commissioned them and sent them forth as apostles. He gave them responsibility to go and preach. <coughs> So, it is time for any disciple to stop just observing and following the Master. But it is time to start witness. And here, it is a question for each one of us who are following the Lord Jesus Christ for so many years. When we will stop just observing and following and when we will start bearing witness to Him. Yes, bearing witness is our responsibility, all of us. But calling in a special capacity, that is calling from God. But all of us, we need to stop just being a follower and just being observed. But we need to be witnesses to the Lord Jesus Christ. It's not enough to observe Him 
but to be with us. Uh, the Lord in his ministry was very compassionate and he wanted actually to comfort the people from weaknesses, from uh, sins, from uh, the dominion of Satan, uh, from their illness. So the commission that he gave to the disciples, it's exactly the same work that the Lord Jesus Christ is doing. So uh, it is our responsibility also to do the works of mercy, the works of mercy, the works of compassion. And I cannot separate preaching the message of the gospel from actually doing the works of mercy. I cannot separate this from that. The true missionary is also the true person who does the work of mercy. And here there are two extremes. Either to focus only on the works of mercy without preaching the message of the gospel and we cannot call ourselves missionaries or preachers. We will be humanitarians, like any secular humanitarian organization. And unfortunately, some of our youth, they understand the mission work is just a humanitarian work. They go feed the homeless, they go and just uh, help the poor, help the needy, without preaching the message of the gospel. That's incorrect. This actually any secular humanitarian organization can do the same. Also, preaching the gospel without attending to the needs of the people, without having compassion and mercy on them, is wrong. Because as we believe in orthodoxy, which means the right way of worship and the right dogma, also we believe in orthopraxy. Praxi, praxis means work. So the orthopraxia and orthodoxia are inseparable. Orthopraxy means the works of mercy. Orthodoxy means the message of the gospel. So one extreme is just to preach the message of the gospel without work of mercy. And other extreme is to do the works of mercy without preaching the message of the gospel. Both are wrong. But the true missionary, the true servant, the true evangelist should combine the preaching, the word of Christ, the message of Christ with the works of mercy. These are inseparable. You cannot separate between this and that. Uh, and as I said before, before you are sent, you need to be a disciple, a true disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, verse 2. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. And this is the first time in the scripture we read the word apostles. That's the first time. Now the names of the twelve apostles are these. First, Simon, who is called Peter. Simon was his birth name. But the Lord actually changed his name from Simon to Peter. Peter means rock. Because Peter is the first one who said, You are Christ, the Son 
of the living God. So he's the first one who uh, confessed the true faith, that Jesus is the Messiah. So the Lord gave him the word rock, and he said, this will be the rock, not Peter, but the faith of Peter will be the rock upon which he will build his church. Not Peter, but the uh, rock of faith. In Coptic, you will find the Lord used two words, Petra and Petrus. Petrus means a small stone. Petrus means small stone. Peter, Petra means huge rock. So when he spoke about the faith upon which he will build the church, he used the word Petra, which means a huge rock. But when he gave Peter his name, he named him Petrus. And Petrus is like a small stone. But actually, you cannot break this stone. That's why those of you who studied the anatomy of the skull, there is a small bone in the skull. It's very, very difficult to, to break it. And this bone is called Petrus bone because it is uh, like a stone. You, you cannot break it at all. Uh, first, Simon, who is called Peter, and Andrew, his brother, James, the son of Zebedee, and John, his brother, and these four were from uh, Bethsaida, and uh, all of them were Galileans, and these four also were fishermen. Then Philip and Bartholomew, Thomas and Matthew, the tax collector, and here Matthew is the author of this gospel. So he mentioned about himself, I was a tax collector. So as if he is confessing and witnessing for the grace of God, who changed him from a tax collector, sinner, greedy, lover of money, to an apostle. James, the son of Alphaeus, and Lebaeus, whose surname was Thetis. Thetis has also another name, it's Judas. Judas, not the Iscariot. Verse 4, Simon the Canaanite, from Cana, Galilee, and Judas Iscariot, who also betrayed him. In this list, actually, uh, we, we find three pairs of brothers. Peter and Andrew are brothers. John and James are brothers. Also James, son of Alphaeus, not James, son of Zebedee, the other James, and we call him James the Less. And Judas, who is also Thaddeus, or the Bells, they are brothers. So we have three brothers, three pairs of brothers. Peter and Andrew, James and John, and James the Less, or James son of Alphaeus, and the Bells, or the Bells, or Judas, uh, his yes, three names. With the exception of Judas Iscariot, all of them were from Galilee. All of them were Galileans. Some of them were fishermen, but it is important to notice that none of them, none of them was a priest or a scribe. 
they will not start trusting themselves, but trusting on God. And this is very important. Remember Moses, when he started his ministry, he started first relying on himself. I grew up in the palace of Pharaoh. So he started to kill and to judge among his brethren. And God told them, no, no, you will fail. You need actually to wait 40 years to learn how to be humble. You cannot actually lead my people out of Egypt with this spirit of trusting yourself. You need actually to deny yourself and put all your trust in me. Here only you will be leader. That's why when God called him, you can see Moses, you know, was very, very reluctant in accepting the calling of God. He told him, I am heavy in my tongue and my speech. Send somebody else. I'm not adequate. But here actually Moses started to learn how to trust in God. And he told him, if you don't go before me, I'm not God. That is the whole trust in God. In our service, we should not trust in our knowledge, and our experience, and our uh, practice. But we should trust in God. And we should tell him, if you don't go in front of me, I'm not God. I cannot do it by myself. But Anyone who is willing to be a disciple of Christ and a true follower of Jesus, God can call him to be a witness also for him. Uh, as Judas St. Matthew mentioned about him who also betrayed Jesus, who also betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ, not only to di distinguish him from other disciples, but also uh, for his great reproach. You know, uh, as if he's saying uh, Judas betrayed and was not honest in his calling. God called him and gave him opportunity like the rest of the disciples, but uh, he, he was not honest in his calling. And because of the love of money, he followed uh, his own desire. Verse 5. I have a question. Sure. Why did our Lord choose Judas knowing that he's going to betray him? Actually, God gave opportunity to everybody. Uh, why he called him? Maybe because God, in should we blame Judas? The Lord said to Judas, the son of man will, will, uh, will be going to crucifixion regardless. Which means, if, if Judas did not betray the Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the crucifixion will be fulfilled. So the son of man will go as it is written about him. So there is no excuse and no justification 
for Jews. And let me tell you, Judas did not perish because he betrayed the Lord Jesus Christ. He perished because he did not repent. If Judas repented, actually God would forgive him and accept him. Peter denied him, and the Lord accepted him. Verse 5, these 12 Jesus sent out and commanded them, saying, Do not go into the way of the Gentiles, or do not enter a city of the Samaritans, but go rather to the lost sheep of the house of Israel. That's why I told you this is called the limited uh, commission. Because God started first with the lost sheep of Israel. And again, I cannot leave my house and go preach. So I should start first with my house. In the same way, when the church, for example, came here in America, we cannot just start by preaching to the American and leave the Coptic people. So we need to start here with our people and then we we'll go outside. As the Lord said before his ascension, you will be witnesses to me in Jerusalem, then Judea, then Samaria, then to the end of the earth. You need to start first in Jerusalem, which is your house, your own people. Like, don't go except to the lost sheep of Israel. But gradually, the, the service will expand to include everybody in the Great Commission. When he told them, go and preach the gospel to the whole world. To the whole world. So, here he instructed the disciples to go to Israel, the people among whom the Messiah was born, Jesus was born, and the Jewish law was exclusive, which means uh, there was a separation between the Gentiles and the Jews. Even in the Temple of Solomon, there was a special court for the Gentiles called Daryl Oman, the court of the Gentiles, and they were not allowed to mingle or to enter the temple with the Jews. Uh, in the Jewish mind, salvation was only to the Jews. That is in their mind. And the Lord Jesus Christ was born under the law. And the apostles also were under the law. Uh, but in the cross, as St. Paul explained in Ephesians, he united one nation, one people with all the peoples. And he united the heaven with the earth. One people here and with all the peoples. One people is the nation of Israel. All the nations are the Gentiles. So it was very, very early to ask them to go to the Samaritans or to the Gentiles. And it would be too radical for the disciples to hear these words from the Lord Jesus Christ or even to handle it. That's why he told them, don't go except to the lost sheep of Israel. Uh, and at that time, there was great enmity between the Jews and the Gentiles and the Samaritans. Who are the Samaritans? The Samaritans are the inhabitants of Samaria. Samaria was a district 
a district between Judea and Galilee. Judea and Galilee and between Samaria in the middle. If you studied the Old Testament, <coughs> you can see that the kingdom of Israel was divided into one tribe and ten tribes. Because the kingdom did not include the tribe of Levi. One tribe is the tribe of Judas. And from this word, the word Jews came. And the other tribe, the ten tribes, actually called the kingdom of Israel. The kingdom of Israel. Uh, the first king, Yerub'an ibn Nabat, first king of the kingdom of Israel, was afraid that his people go to Jerusalem to worship. That's why he built them a temple and he allowed them to worship idols instead of going to Jerusalem because he said if they go to Jerusalem they will be united with Israel, with the Jews and then I will lose my kingdom. That's why you will read in, 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 in the Old Testament repeatedly the sin of Yerub'an ibn Nabal who made Israel sin. What is the sin? He actually made them stop worshipping the true God to worship idol and stop worshipping in the true church, the true temple, in a false temple. And the capital of the kingdom of Israel is Samaria. The capital of the kingdom of Jews is Jerusalem. But the capital of the kingdom of Israel is Samaria. So who are the Samaritans? The Samaritans are the inhabitants of the Samaria. And as I told you, Samaria is a district between Judea and Galilee. It's in the middle. They are descendants of the remnant of the ten tribes. But over the years, because they worship idols, they mingled with the Gentiles who were living there. So basically, they were brothers to the Jews. But see how Satan can divide people against themselves. There was bitter enmity between the Jews and the Samaritans. The Samaritans accepted the five books of Moses. But as I told you, they worshipped on Mount Gerizim, not in Jerusalem as it was instructed in the Old Testament. Uh, As I, as I told you on the cross, as St. Paul explained in Colossians chapter 2, verse 14, God actually ended the old covenant, the covenant that was made with Israel, and he started a new covenant made with all the people. So the old covenant passed away, and now the new covenant became effective, sealed with the blood of Christ, that's why after the death and resurrection of the Lord Jesus Christ, actually the apostles were commissioned to go to the whole world and preach the gospel to the whole world. In Christ, the distinction, the barrier, the middle wall, the middle wall that separated between the Jews and Gentiles was broken down. The old covenant uh, was only with Israel, the seed of Abraham, but the new covenant embraced all nations, all people, all nations. Verse um, 7, 
And as you go, preach saying, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. That is the main subject, the main theme of the apostolic preaching to declare the kingdom of, 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 of heaven. <coughs> the kingdom of heaven was established on the day of the crucifixion of the Lord Jesus Christ. So, if they started this ministry three years before the crucifixion, so at hand they told them, in almost three years, now the kingdom of heaven will be established. And you will be, those who believe in Christ, you will be transferred from the kingdom of Satan to the kingdom of heaven. And St. Paul in Colossians chapter 1, he said, and he transferred us to the kingdom of the son of his love. So we are not waiting for a millennium. The millennium already started. We are not waiting for a kingdom. The kingdom started already uh, on the day of the crucifixion. Yes, at this ministry, with the uh, apostles' ministry, the kingdom was not inaugurated yet, but it was inaugurated in the day of crucifixion. So the apostles went and, and said to the people, Kingdom of heaven is close, is near. Yes, not now, but it's very close. You, you will see it very close. Then, verse 8, he told them, Heal the sick. Now, not only, as I told you, not only preaching the message of the gospel, but also words of mercy. Heal the sick, cleanse the leper, raise the dead, cast out demons, freely you have received freely given. So, he told them not only preach the message of the gospel, but also you need to do the works of mercy. Heal the sick, cleanse the lepers, raise the dead, cast out demons. Freely you have received, freely give. Uh, and actually, you can see here, the Lord gives them the power to do the same work that he was doing. In Matthew chapter 8 and 9, we, we read about the miracles that the Lord Jesus Christ was doing. So in Matthew 10, he gives the apostles to do the same miracles that he was doing, and we read about them in the last two chapters. Uh, and he made a very, very important principle that the message of Christ and the words of mercy are free. Free. There is no place for buying and selling in the kingdom of heaven. There is no place. There is no cost associated with the giving of this, with the, with the power, to give this power. As he received this power from Christ freely, they should actually give it to others freely. So, simply the Lord is telling them, as I give you this power for free, now it is your role to give it to others also for free. Many times we forget about this rule, but we, we, as the Lord gave us this gift freely, we need actually to give it freely.
ambassadors of peace to any place. That's why the Lord told them, go and choose who is worthy. Why he told them, go and choose who is worthy? Because they should not throw themselves in the way of insult. They should actually waste their time from house, going to house to house. They should not wander as beggars from place to place, but to see who is worthy in this city, who will acknowledge and value the message of Christ, and stay there and from his house do, do, do your ministry. So don't throw yourself in, in insult, to, to be insulted. Don't waste your time going from house to house, and to be, don't be like beggars wandering in the city. But go and choose who is worthy, and stay there, and from this house do your ministry until you leave. Stay there till you... Again, when the Lord told us, don't judge, he doesn't want us to walk blind. Because when he told us, beware of false teachers, means I should examine the teachers and say this is a true teacher or a false teacher. So this judgment, we call it discernment. I should discern, you know. So if they stayed in a house, and people are not worthy here, means they are opposing the message of Christ, they will be exposed to insult. This actually may hinder their message and their preaching, so this will not facilitate. And there is difference between staying at this house and preaching the house. No. God did not tell them, those who are not worthy don't preach them. Actually, in the first in verse 14, he told us how we preach people who don't receive the message. So there is difference between staying at this house and preaching. Preaching for everybody, calling for it, everybody. But to stay, we need actually to stay with people who will facilitate and help the ministry, not hindering the ministry. So, he told them, if the household is worthy, let your peace come upon it. But if it is not worthy, let your peace return to you. Uh, then he directed them how to act to those who refuse them. And refusing them means also refusing the message of Christ. If you refuse an ambassador, you are refusing his president and his country. So if you are refusing ambassador of Christ, you are refusing Christ himself and the message of the gospel. So he told them in verse 14, And whoever will not receive you, nor hear your words, which means they will tell him the word of, of, of the gospel, but they don't hear the word, they don't accept it. When you depart from that house or city, shake off the dust from your feet. So, this verse implies that even those who refuse the message will hear it, but they refuse it. He refused it. Then he told them, when it's time to depart from this city, shake off the dust from your feet. And 
Uh, why he told them shake off the dust? Uh, to tell them that you are in danger by refusing the message of Christ. It is a serious condition. It's a serious condition. You need to reconsider. But why shaking of the dust? It was a Jewish custom that when they returned from any territory for the Gentiles, before crossing the border into the promised land, to shake the dust of the pagan land of their feet. So when any Jewish person visits a territory for the Gentiles, before he goes back to the promised land, he shakes off the dust from his feet, as if he is shaking any uncleanness, as if he is saying, I am not taking any unclean practice from the Gentiles, from this pagan. I want to keep the promised land pure. I want to keep my covenant with God pure, not defiled, not contaminated. So actually, the Lord used this Jewish tradition and he is using it in the same way. Those actually who uh, refuse the kingdom of God, refuse the new covenant, reject the message of Christ, actually shake off the dust from your, uh, from your feet. As if he's telling them two things. They will be treated like pagan because they refused Christ. And also, you should not take any uncleanness, any impurity to contaminate your covenant with Christ. That is the symbolism of shaking off the dust from the feet. Then he spoke about the judgment. Verse 15. As shortly I say to you, it will be more tolerable for the land of Sodom and Gomorrah in the day of judgment than for this city, for that city. This verse actually teaches many, many lessons. The first lesson, as there are ranks in heaven, there's a star will be distinguished from other star in glory, in hell, also, there will be ranks. That's why he said in Sodom and Gomorrah, it will be more tolerable for Sodom and Gomorrah for uh, this city. So, what is the sin of this city? They refused Christ. And what is the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah? Homosexuality. So, as if the Lord is saying, the sin of homosexuality the punishment of this sin will be more tolerable than the punishment of the unbeliever. The punishment of sexual immorality and homosexuality in particular will be more tolerable than the punishment of the sin of the unbelievers. Let me go to the Gospel of St. Luke. Do you remember the servants this gospel we read it every day in the midnight prayer, in the third watch. The, the steward who is unfaithful and who is not wise, the Lord said that his portion will be with, with whom? With the unbeliever. So the, the punishment of the unfaithful steward 
unfaithful servant will be the punishment of the unbeliever. And in this verse, the punishment of the unbeliever will be worse than the punishment even of the, those who practice homosexuality and don't repent. So we conclude that the unfaithful servant, unfaithful steward, his condition will be worse than even the condition of the sexually immoral people and people who practice homosexuality in the day of judgment. That's what the Lord told us here in this verse. Um, so those who rejected the message, actually their punishment or their judgment will be greater than Sodom and Gomorrah. Because they refused to honor God's message and also to receive the apostles of Christ. Uh, the punishment of Sodom and Gomorrah was mentioned several times, like in Peter, 2 Peter chapter 2, verse 6, uh, Jude, uh, verse 7. Uh, so this punishment was mentioned several times. Uh, Verse 16. Behold, I send you out as sheep in the midst of wolves. Therefore, be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. I want you to uh, notice Bil-Arabi Kilmet Busata is not translated naive or simple, but Busata is translated what? Harmless. And that's actually the actual meaning. So the word basit in Arabic doesn't mean be naive or be simple, but means just be harmless. Harmless to others. Don't harm others. I sent you as a sheep in the midst of wolves, therefore be wise as serpents and harmless as doves. So here the Lord is telling us, you will be witnesses to me in the world, but I want you to be careful not to trust the world. He started to prepare them for persecution. One of the wrong expectations, when we expect if we live with Christ, then we'll have happy life here on earth. That's wrong expectation. The Lord told us, in the world you will have many tribulations. The, the Lord told us, you will weep and lament and the world will rejoice. So, living in a world like this, expecting persecution, requires from us being wise, but don't repay evil for evil. So we are harmless. Yes, we are harmless, but we should be wise. Wise to try to avoid all situations that will give advantage to the enemies over them. Be wise. If a, a, a sheep is going among wolves, he should be wise, otherwise the wolf will destroy him. Sheep is defenseless. Sheep in general are defenseless. Um, but wolves, they are cruel, bitter enemies. Serpents, are very cautious in avoiding danger. 
So when the Lord told us, be wise as serpents, he, as if he's telling us, be very cautious in avoiding danger. But I want to be, to, to be like doves. Doves never harm any, anybody or any other bird. Doves are peaceful, never preying on other birds. Always symbol of innocence, symbol of peace, symbol of harmlessness. Uh, yes, it sounds strange to send them as sheep among wolves. But the commandment, be wise as serpent and harmless as doves, is a wonderful combination. How to be wise in avoiding the danger, but also to be uh, harmless. Saint Ignatius, the disciple of Saint John, said something very, very beautiful. He said, God sent us as sheep among wolves. So the wolf, when they eat us as the sheep, they will turn into sheep. And this is what happened with St. Paul and St. Stephen. St. Stephen was a sheep. And St. Paul, before his conversion, was like a wolf. You know, and this wolf saw St. Stephen like an angel. You know, and yes, he agreed on his stoning. But this sheep converted the wolf into another sheep to be persecuted for Christ. Um, so the wisdom of the serpent would save them from unnecessary exposure to danger. So the word unnecessary is very important here. So the Lord don't tell us just try to avoid persecution at any expense. He's telling us just be wise to avoid unnecessary exposure to danger. And the harmlessness of the dove, it's to escape and to avoid any uh, sinful or repaying evil for evil. Uh, so as if he's telling them, be on your guard against people who are like wolves around you. Uh, use wisdom and use prudence to avoid such situation. Then verse 17, he told them, but beware of men. For they will deliver you up to councils and scourge you in their synagogues. Now he is preparing them for the persecution. You will be brought before governors and kings for my sake as a testimony to them and to the Gentiles. So, Jesus here told them about the troubles that way uh, meet them. So when they will face troubles, it will not be a surprise to them. But these troubles actually will confirm their faith. Because they knew that Jesus told them beforehand about this, what will happen to them. And if you read and study the book of Acts, you can see how this prediction was fulfilled. How the apostles exposed to many, many troubles. All of them were martyrs, martyred except St. John. Uh, the apostles when they heard that they will be delivered to councils and they will be brought before governors and kings I'm sure they had some concern how they should behave they are very simple people how they can defend themselves before these great magistrates most of them were illiterate 
most of them were poor fishermen. So how they would defend the ministry, the, the gospel of Christ. So the Lord, in order to remove this worry, this fear from their heart, I may be objection, they would object. He want to strengthen and to comfort them. That's why he promised them immediate assistance. He told them in verse 19, but when they deliver you up, don't worry about how or what you should speak, because it will be given to you in that hour what you should speak. In that hour you will be given. It's innocent help. And actually, your speech will be a testimony to the governors, will be a testimony to the Gentiles, as if you are preaching those who are judging you. You are preaching them, and this, I'm sure you, when you study the book of Acts, you can see how St. Paul preaches to Agrippas and Malik, to Felix, to uh, Festus. He preached to all of them. So yes, they used this opportunity as a testimony to them, to the governors, and also to the Gentiles, to the non-believers who are attending this judgment. Then he told them, at this moment, don't worry. It is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. It is not you who speak, but the spirit of your father who speaks in you. The Holy Spirit will give them the word when they make their defense before the civil magistrates. Uh, so this was extraordinary promise. And it was literally fulfilled when you, you read about St. Peter, St. Paul, and in the Synaxerium of the church, when you read about how simple people stood and actually confessed to their faith for governors and kings and rulers of the earth, you can see how this promise of God is fulfilled. And until now, we feel it every day when we're dealing with the magistrates of this earth. Uh, and the Lord Jesus Christ told them, you spirit of your father. And I think the Lord was very uh, specific in choosing the word, your fathers. This added uh, more security, more confidence. This spirit is the spirit of my heavenly father. And my heavenly father will not let me down in a position or a situation like this. He will send his spirit at this specific moment to support me, to help me, to inspire me how to respond. Then, verse 21, he told them about the division that will happen because of Christianity, because of the ministry of the gospel of Christ. Now brother will deliver a brother to death. A father is a child. Children will rise up against parents and cause them to be put to death. Why? Imagine a family, all these family are Jewish, and one of them became Christian. The others will hate him, will try to kill him, will abandon him. And this happened until today. When a family of non-Christian, one of them became Christian, they tried to kill him, they abandoned him, they hate him. So the Lord actually is telling them that vision uh, among the family will happen because of the ministry of the gospel. And this actually was a prophecy uh, in 
Micah chapter 7 verse 6 about how the message of the gospel will cause division in the family. The family will turn upon those who accept Christ and you will be their bitter enemies, their bitter enemies. Uh, and until now we see how this prophecy is fulfilled until now. Uh, but here actually, those who are opposing, they are not opposing their children. They are not opposing the Christian, but they are opposing Christ himself. You remember when the Lord appeared to St. Paul, he told him, why do you persecute me? Your persecution is not directed on, uh, uh, against children, it's directed against me. Uh, then he told them, verse 22, and you will be hated by all for my name's sake. But he who endures to the end will be saved. So he told us, be patient. Be patient, endure. Don't give up. Don't give up your faith in the middle. I will support you. My Holy Spirit will be with you. I will comfort you in your tribulation. But you need to endure to the end. And if you endure to the end, you will be saved. Endure the persecution. Endure the hatred. Endure also the hatred. So those will endure and accept all kinds of suffering and they will not give up on their faith. Actually, they will enter the kingdom of heaven. They will be saved. Perseverance. Perseverance gives the proof of our genuine faith. Perseverance gives the proof of our genuine faith. Uh, then verse 23, I will stop at verse 26. Okay, so more for four more verses. When they will persecute you in this city, flee to another. For assuredly I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. The second part of this verse is one of the difficult verse to understand what he meant by, I say to you, you will not have gone through the cities of Israel before the Son of Man comes. So he's saying, in other words, the Son of Man will come before you finish ministry to the cities of Israel. Uh, let me first explain the first part. When he told you, when they persecute you in one city, uh, flee to another. Again, he is not asking us to flee from persecution. But he told us, don't rashly expose yourself to danger. You need to continue preaching. And you can read in the book of Acts how when they tried to uh, kill St. Paul, uh, actually they made him flee uh, from a basket uh, above the wall in Damascus. And when they refused him in one city, they went to another city to continue preaching. So he told them, yes, you need, you need to be wise and avoid danger. But when the time comes from me that you will give yourself up as a testimony, at this moment accept it. So here God wants us to be wise, not to rashly expose our life to danger, but to continue preaching. Because life, life is sacred position. God entrusts us with life. And we should not deal easily 
with our life. We should give it up easily. That's why even the sin of suicide is considered sin without forgiveness. Uh, because a person kills himself and he kills something sacred that God gave to him. Uh, yes, you can give up your life for Christ at the moment that I will choose for you. But when you have no other choice, yes, be ready to give yourself up. But if you have a choice to continue preaching, go from one city to another city, do this. Uh, so, here if we can look at the commandment of Christ regarding persecution, yes, you need to be ready to lay down yourself for me. You should not deny me, but also don't expose yourself to unnecessary danger or unnecessary persecution. And this happened when there was persecution in Jerusalem during time of Israel, uh, martyrdom of sorry, Saint Stephen. People left Jerusalem and uh, went to Saint Mary and other cities preaching Christ. And this answered some question when people say, "Is it wrong that we immigrated from Egypt when we felt there is persecution and we came here?" Actually, when we come here, we have a responsibility to continue preaching the gospel of Christ. So we are not escaping persecution. Because when, if it is a time for us to die for Christ, whether in Egypt or in America or anywhere, we will die for Christ. No doubt about this. But if I, if I have in my hand uh, uh, opportunity to escape persecution and continue preaching and expanding the kingdom of God, this is acceptable. But again, there is a difference between I escape persecution and stop witnessing for Christ. Christ wants to talk about this. He told them, when they persecute you in one city, one city, go to another city to do what? To preach, to be witness, not to stop speaking about me and preaching me. Then, what does it mean that the Son of Man will come before you finish the uh, will finish the preaching the sins of Israel. The fathers of the church have many different explanations. The first explanation is the establishment of the kingdom of heaven. As I told you, this commission started three years before his crucifixion. So he told them, you will not finish all the children, the sins of Israel before my crucifixion. So even when the Son of Man comes in His glory on the cross and establish His kingdom and became our king and be glorified on the cross. You know, He prayed, Father, glorify Your Son. And He was speaking about the cross. And John chapter 8, He said, because the Son of Man was not yet glorified and He did not see the Holy Spirit, because the Son of Man was not yet glorified, was speaking about His cross. So you will not finish preaching all the cities of Israel until the Son of Man will come in his cross. That's one uh, meaning. The other meaning uh, means when the Son of Man will destroy this temple of the Old Covenant, which is the destruction of Jerusalem, which happened uh, year 70 AD, uh, and the kingdom of, uh, and, and the church of the New Testament will replace the Old uh, Temple. That's another interpretation. 
third interpretation that even until the second coming of Christ on clouds, some people from Israel, unfortunately, will not believe in him. Yes, there will be rest will believe in Jesus Christ, but some of them, will, even until he comes on the cloud, they will not believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. These are the meaning, the different meaning of the verse according to the fathers of the church. Um, verse um, 24, he gives here 24 and 25, he gives three analogies, beautiful analogies between our relationship with Christ. He said, a disciple is not above his teacher, nor a servant above his master. It is enough for a disciple that he be like his teacher, a servant like his master, and if they have called the master of house Ba'lizabub, how much more will they call those of his household? So there is three analogies. The analogy of a disciple with a teacher, uh, the analogy with a servant with his master, an analogy of a master of household and his inmates, the household itself. So, if God is a teacher, who are his disciples? He is our Lord and who are his servant. He is the master of household, Rabbi Beat, and we are his inmates, who are the, the household itself. So he told us, don't expect to be better than your master. You need to expect to be treated like your master. Many people, when they are persecuted, they say, why is this happening to us? Remember, it happened for Christ before you. And if you are his disciple, or if you are his servant, or you are his one of his household, expect the same treatment. Expect the same treatment. If they call him Baal Zabub, Baal Zabub uh, is the head of demons, then if they call you anything else, accept it. They called the uh, master of the household Baal Zabub. Don't be offended when they revile you, when they call you false names. Don't be offended. Expect this. Then he conc uh, uh, concluded this passage about the persecution. Verse 26, uh, he told us, and this will be the last verse we'll study tonight, today. He told them, therefore, do not fear them. Do not fear them. For there is nothing covered that will not be revealed and hidden that will not be broken. Again, as I told you about the word peace to you, it's not just words, it's not a greeting, but it removes all anxieties from our heart. When the Lord said, do not fear them, it's not just an instruction. He's not giving us an instruction when you are in this situation, be courageous, don't fear. No, 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 no. Here when the Lord said, don't fear them, he is casting every fear from our heart. He is giving us this courage, this power, when we are in this situation, we'll not be afraid. And all of us, we saw this in the martyrs of Libya. How they have no fear? Who is afraid? Who is fearful? Is the person under the mask? Or the people actually who are receiving death with courageous heart? And it's not human power. It's not human courage. It is heavenly. So these words, don't fear them. It is not just a commandment. It's not a command, it's a power. 
power that removes every fear from our heart. And they can make you, uh, yes, they can make you suffer, but they have no, as the Lord does not fear those who kill the body, and after this, they have nothing else to do. They kill our body, but they cannot kill our spirit. They cannot destroy our soul. They cannot actually close the gates of heaven in front of us. Actually, when they kill our body, they open widely the gates of heaven in front of us. So, under any trial, under any persecution, under any tribulation, remember these words, do not fear them. And remember it, not just as a commandment, how, how to, to make myself more brave, no, no, no. It's a power, power God gave to us. Do not fear them. Uh, Christ is victorious and also will be victorious in him. Why we do not fear them? He told them, all this will be revealed. All of this will be revealed. Nothing, uh, for there is nothing covered that will not be revealed. So, their conspiracy and their hatred and their opposition to the message of Christ will be revealed and will be condemned for this. And also our testimony will be revealed and will be rewarded for this. Nothing is covered that will not be revealed and nothing hidden will not be known. So at this moment, in the Day of Judgment, his children will be known and also his enemies will be revealed to the whole world. Glory be to God forever and ever. Amen.